What does God require of you? On this day of all days, as we remember men and women who have given their everything for us, we gather here to honour their memory and to give thanks. What does God require of you? On this day of all days, we come seeking peace in a world that cries out for it. We come seeking to love the unloved and to live humbly with our Lord. What does God require of you? On this day of all days, we come to him in worship and in praise. Hi, and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name is Stuart, and I get to be the minister here. You're welcome here to join us in our service of remembrance. Today, I'm joined by Yvonne, who will read our lesson for us and lead us in prayer later in our time together. So let's listen for the word of God. Amos chapter 5, verses 18 to 24. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion, only to meet a bear. As though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall, only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light? Pitch dark, without a ray of brightness. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. The book of Amos is one of my favourites. Amos is a prophet and he's so grumpy. But then there's a lot for him to be grumpy about. This short book is found in what we sometimes call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. And it's actually one of the oldest, if not the oldest book in the Bible. So grumpy prophets have been around for a long, long time. The job of a prophet isn't to tell the future, at least not in a fortune teller kind of a way. The job of a prophet is to tell the truth, especially to those in power. Their role is to point out what's happening here and now. And if things don't change, what that will lead to if nothing's done about it. Speaking truth to power can be difficult. Powerful people or institutions don't like to be criticised. They like it even less when the person doing the criticism seems, well, less than qualified. In Amos's day, there were schools of prophets, groups of apprentice prophets would follow around a teacher and they would learn from them. And one day when they'd finished their apprenticeship, they would take up the role of being a prophet themselves. But Amos wasn't one of them. Amos was a shepherd. He grew figs. He wasn't from a school of prophets. He wasn't defending a particular tradition or a particular point of view. He stood alone with no vested interest, nothing to protect and very little to lose. The people of his time thought that things were a bit tough and they would get better. The Assyrians were a problem. They kept raiding the borders and threatening war. But the year of Jubilee was coming. Israel wasn't like other countries. The land had been shared out between the 11 tribes. The 12th tribe were the priests, so they didn't need land. 
And every 75 years, there was a year of jubilee. That was when they pressed the reset button and everything went back to the original owners and debts were forgiven. It was a way of ensuring that people couldn't buy up all of the land and become too rich and to make sure that people didn't remain poor. What a brilliant idea. And they come to call it the day of the Lord. It was the day when everything would be right, when the community would be whole because it followed the rules, the commandments that God had given their ancestors. And when that happened, everything would be good and all of their problems would be over. I wonder if you ever wished for something, but not really. You know, when you want something to change, but you haven't quite thought through the consequences of that. Amos points out a problem. The day of the Lord isn't going to be like what you think it is. Not all of you are going to like this. But why? Why would the day of the Lord be bad news for some people? The people are busy getting on with their lives. They're just doing their own thing. And part of that thing was worshipping God. And over the years, they developed a range of festivals and feasts. And throughout the years, they had songs to sing and music to play and sacrifices to offer. They looked forward to these festivals. Each of them had their own character. One was for harvest and they would gather and feast on all the things that they'd grown. One was New Year where they would gather and feast and look back at what had been and look forward to what was coming. One was to celebrate their beginning as a people, celebrating when they left Egypt their escape from slavery. The festivals weren't the problem. They were good reasons to give thanks throughout the year. The festivals should have been about reminding the people about all the good things and where they come from and who had been their help when times were tough. The problem was that festivals had become empty gestures. They'd lost their meaning. They'd become just another excuse to dress up and to go to Jerusalem and have a feast. The bit about thanking God was just something they had to get through before the party. As time passes, the focus moves further and further and further away from the thing the festival was supposed to be about. It becomes about something else, something less. So how would that look for us? Perhaps putting up your Christmas tree a month early will look nice, but it's not going to solve your problems. It's not going to make you less lonely. Bankrupting yourself to buy presents isn't going to spread real joy and hope. Eating chocolate at Easter isn't going to bring new life to anyone. Wearing a poppy for a couple of weeks in November isn't going to bring an end to war. Or support members of our armed services and their families who, who need our help every day of the year. It's not going to help people caught up in conflicts that are not of their making. It's not going to make things better for people whose lives are devastated by weapons made here in the UK. The problem Amos points out to the people and to us is a problem we all get trapped in. We think that we're the ones who are always right. It's others, everyone else, who's always wrong. So for the people who were desperate for the year of Jubilee, because they wanted their debts forgiven or their land back, Amos reminds them that they are also people who owe someone something. Other people who have some kind of power over others, but that's not the way that we see ourselves. We always see ourselves as small, insignificant, low down in the scheme of things. Come the Jubilee, the day of revolution, when everything will change, it will be fairer and better. And we imagine that we will be the ones who gain from that. But be careful what you wish for, says Amos, because the day of the Lord will be like a man who ran away from a lion only to meet a bear. It will be as though he entered his house to be safe and rested his hand on the wall and a snake bit him. Be careful 
what you wish for, says Amos. It might be that we are the ones who have much to lose. Even those of us who might be categorised as poor are much better off than people around the world who live on less than a pound a day, who endure famine and drought. Even as we live through these times of uncertainty, our experience is nothing compared to the people of Gaza or Yemen or South Sudan. Why is it we think that justice and righteousness will be a world where everyone will think the same way as we think and become just like us? Because we do. And the people in Amos' time thought the same thing. But here we are, rightly worried about the problems we face and some of us in complete denial that there is any kind of problem at all. Our news is filled with stories of Palestine and Israel and we seem to have completely forgotten about Ukraine. We have a Home Secretary who thinks that homelessness is a lifestyle choice and that people shouldn't be allowed to protest bombing of innocent civilians. Justice and righteousness seem so very far away. So today, as we stand in silence, as the poppies are brought out for another moment of remembrance, I wonder if Amos's warning is even more urgent today than it's ever been before. You want the day of the Lord? Really? Or do we just want our own hopes to be fulfilled? Our own prejudices to be confirmed? Our own view of the world to be imposed on everyone else? Because that's not what the day of the Lord looks like. We stand in silence and we say words about peace while we stoke conflicts in our own lives and with others near and far. We stand in silence and say words about lessons learned while we wander around making the same old mistakes over and over and over again. Scapegoating, blaming, holding, separating. We think we're better or different or that everyone else is the problem. If only they would just realise we stand in silence. We pin our poppies on and we think about the sacrifice of men and women sent to the most horrific conditions to die alone and afraid. And we dress that up as glory and honour and victory and national pride. What on earth have we become? Who on earth have we become? How far away from righteousness and justice have we strayed? Sometimes it's less than a trickle as we pay billions for nuclear weapons and leave children hungry. Sometimes it's less than a drip, as we consign people to unemployment to keep the deficit down, as governments spend millions on projects that are little more than vanity. Sometimes it dries up altogether, as we put profit before well-being, position before alleviating poverty and power before the good that needs done for those with the least. But it's not too late. It's never too late. But we've got work to do, hard and difficult work to figure out what justice and righteousness look like now. Righteousness means right living. And right living involves kindness and compassion and mercy. It's about loving God and loving your neighbour. It's about living out what we've come to know as the Beatitudes where the poor and the bereaved and the humble and the sick are blessed alongside those who stand up for others, those who make peace, and end the reasons for conflict. It's up to us to work out what that looks like in this place and in our time. It's not enough just to pin on a poppy and stand silent for a couple of minutes once a year. How does that honour the sacrifice that's been made? Empty words and gestures have never made the world a better place. 
for justice to roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream, we need to look beyond ourselves to see the need of our neighbour, both the ones next door and the ones in far-off places, because our choices impact their lives too. Remembrance is no longer just about remembering names. Names are easy. Names can be recited, even when there's so many of them. Remembrance is no longer just about remembering names. It's about remembering the future, the promised future, the future they died for, the promised future that came packaged from the past with a label saying never again. It was from the horror of war that poppies grew. The red poppy, let's name it, as war and horror. It's one to remind us, never again. It's a declaration of hope that war should never happen again. And yet the poppy often feels like it sanitizes war, makes, it's res- makes war respectable, full of honor and respect. Never again. Never again. Never again because we choose a different path. We choose the day of the Lord. Despite the cost, we choose justice rolling like a river. We choose righteousness like a never-failing stream. And we will work, work for peace, work for peace to make that day come for everyone. Oh,
Today we stand in silence and we remember. Many of us remember something we never knew. The distant conflicts of the First and Second World Wars are something we've only heard about secondhand or seen portrayed in films and books. These deepest moments that make us more fully human, that recognise the worth of life and the value of what people do, are not found in victory parades, not found in the great speeches of world leaders or in the noise of conflict or in the seeking of power. These deepest moments that make us more fully human are the moments we find filled with silence. Only in silence does remembrance live. Not to recall memories, not to learn lessons, not to thank God for victories or grieve with God amid the wastage. But where we become part of a moment that recognises that there is no word, no action, no intent more human than to halt everything and to do nothing. Nothing but wonder and silence. We remember today all the ordinary people ripped from their towns and villages, torn from their families to serve their countries in war. We remember today all the ordinary people left behind to keep things going in factories and farms, on the streets blitzed by bombs. We remember today the ordinary people whose lives were lost in war, those left behind who never saw their loved ones again, who grew up without a parent or a grandparent, a sibling, a partner, a friend, those who never discovered love again, who grew old alone. We remember today all the ordinary people on either side of the conflict whose lives were changed forever, all those who paid the price of freedom. And in our remembering of the ordinary people, we remember the cost of war will always be too high and will always be paid for by ordinary people. To gather in a room full of memories is a tangible experience. Over time, stories told and stories still untold will fill this space with echoes of generations past. In a very real sense, we meet the past and the future and our present here. The memories of people here have been given to all of us. They're entrusted to us as a community and together they shape who we are now. By holding them, by giving them space, we make them sacred. We let them move in beside us and shape who we can be in the future. So may this always be a positive place filled with hope. Not dead memories, but a living example of lives that can still move us and changes and inspire our community. So let us remember. Let's hold silence together. A quiet blessing beyond words that shapes the space that the stories will fill. Shapes them with grace and depth and the unending love of God. Let us remember them. They shall grow not old as we who are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them.
for our tomorrows they gave their todays. God of peace and God of justice. On a day of remembrance, we bring to mind all those who serve our nation. For those in the armed forces who around the world put their lives at risk. For those in positions of leadership who have choices to make and to whom we look for guidance. For those in health care and social care who tend to those who need support. For those in education who prepare us in our lives. For those protecting us from police to fire services, paramedics to security. We give thanks for them all and so many others for their work and commitment. May they remain vigilant and dedicated, keen to serve others and make this world a more just, a more peaceful, a healthier place to live. God of all being and God of coming, we recognise you at work in the here and now and at work to bring about the future. We know you look to us to strive and yearn towards the coming days, that we can be a part of a world that seeks to heal and not stoke division, that seeks to build bridges of care and support, that seeks to lift up the poor and disadvantaged, that seeks to bring about your kingdom, one action, one word at a time. God of love and God of expectation, we pray for all people who feel lost and abandoned, who feel they have no value, who feel the pressures of financial loss, job loss and a loss of purpose. May they know your love and experience your support through communities that care and reach out to help. Be with us all, Lord God, that we might be your eyes and ears your hands and feet, your heart and soul, wherever we find need. So hear us now as we pray in your name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Known and named by God, you are called to be love in action. You are Christ's body in the world. So speak truth to power, shine light in the darkness, sing songs of joy in times of despair. Be bringers of peace and bearers of burdens. Lift up the powerless. Remember the forgotten ones. Walk with the blameless, the shameless, and the nameless until they find their own names. They go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Go with the blessing of God, known to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with us and those whom we love and those we find hardest to love. This day and always, Hey